Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to our podcast on Eagle's Wings. Today we want to continue our study in dealing with the teachings of Jesus. This is the only way that we can know for sure exactly what God wants us to know about a particular subject. We noticed previously what God has said about the concept of authority, specifically authority in Christ, as recorded in the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Reading from the King James Version, it says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. God speaks to us now through his Son, Jesus Christ. He has revealed through Jesus all that he wants us to know. If we desire to know and please God, then we will listen to and obey His Son, Jesus Christ. If we truly desire to know what God wants us to understand on any subject, then we must read and study what Jesus has to say about that subject. Not only what He taught during His life on earth, but also what He taught His disciples to teach. And so today we want to look at the subject, what did Jesus teach about the Holy Spirit? There is much that Jesus and his apostles have to say about the Holy Spirit, or sometimes referred to as the Holy Ghost. Each of the Gospels, along with the book of Acts, Paul's epistles, Peter's epistles, John's writings, and the book of Jude, all mention the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or his work. Now the actual phrase in the Greek is hegios pneumos. Hegion or hegios means holy or sanctified, set apart, special for a godly purpose. The word pneumos or pneuma means breath. When someone has pneumonia, they have a sickness in their lungs, the area where they draw breath, where they breathe from. If someone is using a pneumatic drill, they are using a tool which is powered by compressed air. So it is a word which has come to mean breath or air. Now, the translators of the King James Version gave it the meaning of spirit or sometimes ghost, which they considered to mean an entity which could not be seen. We are first introduced to the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where we read, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So we recognize that the Spirit was with the Father and the Son at the beginning. What are some of the things then that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. First, we wish to notice that he said it is possible to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. This is found in Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32, where Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Jesus here is saying that it is possible for us in our actions to blaspheme or speak evil of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. I believe this is talking about his work as part of the Godhead. So if you deny the Spirit, then you are denying God. Therefore, to deny his work places you 
in the position of having to face the consequences of the wrath of God. And those consequences are eternal. Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit has authority. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus commanded his apostles to go into the world and preach the gospel. He said that they would be doing it by the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Again, from the King James Version, Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost work in harmony. They are not in competition. Whatever one does, the others are in accord. The Father sent the Son to do the Father's will. The Holy Ghost came after the Son left to continue the work of the Father. As the Father has authority, so too does the Son. And as the Son has authority, so too does the Spirit. Whatsoever then is revealed by the Spirit holds the same weight and power and authority as revealed by the Father or the Son. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit reveals the will of the Father. In Mark chapter 12, verse 36, we read about the works of the Holy Spirit as it reveals God's will. Jesus said, For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Jesus here is clearly saying that when David was inspired to write, as he did here in this reference to Psalm 110 verse 1, that it was by the power of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. What David wrote in reference to Christ being his Lord, being the Lord, was that which was revealed unto him as part of God's will by the Holy Ghost. Other writers of the New Testament confirm this as we can read in Peter's second epistle, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter affirms what Jesus taught. Those who were given a prophecy of God, revealing God's will, were those who were inspired by God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, the apostles would be guided in their ministry by the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave a specific promise to his apostles to let them know that they would not be alone when they went out to fulfill his work. In Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, he said, And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer, or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. As the apostles went out in doing the spiritual business of the Father, they would surely be persecuted by those who opposed the gospel. Jesus promised them that when this happened, they would have no fear in what defense they might give for the Holy Ghost would be there to guide them in revealing the truth. Jesus later stated this promise in John's Gospel. In John 14, verses 16 through 18, and then again in verse 26, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even 
the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Then verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Again we see that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are working in unison. Jesus came to reveal the Father's will. After accomplishing his ministry, he returned to the Father. But before he returned, he promised that the Father would send the Spirit to guide the apostles. The Spirit is referred to here as the Spirit of Truth and the Comforter. He would guide them in revealing all that they needed to know in teaching the gospel to the world. In this way, he would guide them and also comfort them in helping them to accomplish their mission. The Holy Spirit would make sure they were reminded of the things which Jesus taught. He said here in verse 16 that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So we know that whatever he was reminding them or teaching was truth that came from God. But we also notice that Jesus makes reference to the Spirit as He. The Spirit is not an it as in some sort of unknown entity, but it is a personality, a he. Just as the Father is a he and the Son is a he, so also is the Spirit. Now, we cannot see the Father, but we know he exists. He has provided evidence through his word, his work, and the testimony of his Son. The same can be said for the Spirit. We know he exists by the word he revealed, by the miraculous works that perform testimony to what he said and what he did. Later in John's Gospel, in John 16, verse 13, John records these words of Jesus. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Jesus refers to him as the Spirit of truth who then guides the apostles into all truth. That means that no truth would be left off. No truth would be omitted. Everything that is necessary for us to know so that we might understand and practice and be pleasing to God is that which has been already revealed. There are no new revelations or new testaments as our Mormon friends claim. Anything that came after the New Testament of Jesus Christ is that which is false. For Jesus himself stated that the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth, every bit of truth that we needed. So when someone like Joseph Smith supposedly claims that he was having a New Testament to reveal to him by someone that he called the angel Moroni, he was either deceived or outright lying. If what he revealed does not agree with the writings of the apostles, it is false, for it would be something new that they did not have. Either they then did not receive all truth as Jesus promised, which would make Jesus a liar and would deem the Holy Spirit inefficient in doing his work, or were left with the evidence that Joseph Smith is a liar. If what Joseph Smith revealed is in agreement with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it is unnecessary, for the truth had already been revealed and did not need to be revealed again. 
And of course, the same can be said for one like Muhammad, who claimed to receive a new message from God. Whatever could be said about Joseph Smith could be said about Muhammad. If God revealed a new message, then Jesus lied, and the Holy Spirit was not capable of doing the work that he was sent to do. And if he couldn't do it in the first century, what guarantee does anyone have that he could do it in the 7th century, the 19th century, or the 21st century? My friends, the Quran is not a revelation from God, but is only from the mind of a man named Muhammad. The Book of Mormon is not a revelation from God, but simply from the mind of a man named Joseph Smith. And all who follow such writings will find themselves facing the consequences of God on Judgment Day. Jude was inspired by the Holy Spirit to confirm that all that God had revealed and wanted revealed had been accomplished during the time of the apostles. In verse 3 of Jude's epistle, he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. They began to earnestly contend for it then in the first century because it was exactly what God wanted revealed and he only needed to reveal it that one time. Finally, Whatever actions are against the Holy Spirit are against God. Maybe this is helpful in our understanding what Jesus revealed earlier in Matthew 12 about blasphemy. In Acts 5, we read the account of the story of a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. This account is found in verses 1 through 11. These two had some land and they sold it. But then they lied about the money they received, pretending to give it to the apostles in order to help the saints. But Peter said the following, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. If one denies the work of the Holy Spirit, they are denying the work of God. If one lies to the Holy Spirit, they are lying to God. Since the Father and Son and Spirit are all in harmony and work in unity as the Godhead, to deny one is to deny all. Here Ananias and Sapphira learned a very hard lesson. Their greed and determination to gain glory without true sacrifice cost them their very lives. One cannot think that they can deceive one part of the Godhead and not deceive all. Jesus reveals unto us that the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit works in unity with the Father and Son. His purpose was to come and help the apostles remember what Jesus taught and learn the further truth of God, all the truth that he desired we have, that we may know how to please him now on earth, that we can have every expectation of life with him for all eternity. The Spirit was able to confirm the word the apostles taught by giving them miracles to perform signs that the Holy Spirit was with them, just as happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles and they began to miraculously speak in foreign languages so that they could teach the people that were there that day in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Spirit is called the Comforter the revealer of truth, our guide into all truth. 
just as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, accomplished his will and glorified the Father, so too did the Spirit accomplish his work and glorify the Father. That work was to inspire the apostles to know the truth, teach the truth, provide the truth for us, which truth we have in the form of the Bible. There is no other truth that God needs to reveal. And if anyone tells you they have a new revelation from God, then you can know that they are either deceived or simply lying. For to admit such as truth must force one to admit that the Holy Spirit did not accomplish the will of God. Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you for listening to our podcast today on Eagle's Wings.